Welcome to episode number 76 of the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, where Christina and I interview Jessica Tramontosi, a good friend and client of mine who has some really, really insightful stuff to say on body image, body positivity, or if you want to call it neutrality, as you'll see in the episode, and a lot of great perspectives about your past self. So if you have ever looked in the mirror and felt disgusted with yourself, if you've ever talked badly about yourself or your appearance, or compared yourself or your body to others and standards on social media, this episode is for you. It's jam-packed with value and insight that you're going to walk away with so many tangible things that you can use and implement today to make really, really positive changes in not only your body, but in your mindset. As always, if you like the podcast and you want to support it, all we ask is that you share this episode with a friend, family member, or coworker who would benefit from it. One share can go a really long way and supports our mission to help as many people as possible to live a healthier, sustainable lifestyle. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to more people. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode number 75, The Secret to Self-Love with Jessica Traumatosi. Hi guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Lynn, and I'm here with my co-host, Marissa Roy. And in today's episode, we have a very special guest with us. And Marissa, I will let you intro her. Awesome. Yeah, so very, very special guest today. Uh, One of my good friends and clients um, who just has an amazing perspective to share on a lot of things. So I'm just really excited to like pick her brain and get her thoughts on a bunch of things. But we have Jessica Traumatosi today. Um, And so we originally met through our volleyball community in the Northern Virginia area. Uh, But over time, um, as she became familiar with like my fitness coaching, she became a client, she became a a closer friend as well. And recently we just got to talking about a lot of stuff about inner narratives, body image, weight, um, making lifestyle changes as a whole. And I was just like, Jess, I need you to be on the podcast. I need you to share this stuff because like there are so many people that need to hear what you have to say. So welcome. We're excited to have you here. Um, And if you maybe just want to intro yourself, um, just a little bit about you and... um, maybe start to give some background on like the health, the fitness side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Marissa. I'm super excited to be here and thank you for asking me to share my perspective. Um, I am in my early thirties. I'm actually currently pregnant with my first. Um, and so fitness and health looks a little bit different to me now than it has over the last 30 years, but, um, I am a, um, I'm a lifelong athlete I am somebody who has done just a lot of personal work and soul searching um, to gain a better relationship with my body and, um, you know, to have some tools to be able to be more successful in my health and fitness journey. And it very much is still a journey. Um, But in addition to all of that, and I think part of why I'm so passionate about this, I also coach. Um, I coach volleyball. 
And I have the opportunity to see girls regularly who are at a similar place in life that I was when I was their age. Um, and so I'm very passionate about sharing from my experience, I think in large part for that reason, because if somebody could have, you know, if somebody were to have been in my life the way that I have the opportunity to be in these kids' lives um, and had spoken to some of these things, I just sometimes wonder how my journey would have looked different. So um, I try to take advantage of those opportunities and um, having the chance to come on here and talk with you. I, I, my hope is that even maybe one thing that I might say hopefully resonates with somebody and helps them to gain a better personal relationship with their body and um, with their fitness journey. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. So I think the best place to start is probably, and and we've talked about this at length, but this will be new news for everybody else, um, and Christina included, will be kind of just rewinding um, that timeline to like, what did you struggle with in your journey? And like, what led you to like, have to do that work? And we'll talk about what that work is. We'll talk about how our audience can apply that to themselves. But I think the best place to start is like, you know, how, how do you relate to these people that are struggling with body image, with weight, with the whole fitness thing? So yeah, take us back. Yeah. So full rewind, <laughs> we're going to probably pick up in high school, which is, I think, honestly, where the majority of women's body image issues start, um, maybe in middle school for some, I was really fortunate to just be a total string bean and an athlete my entire childhood. So I didn't, even think about my body. It's not like I had a good relationship with myself. I just didn't even think about it until high school. Um, and I put on, you know, the freshman 50 as, as one does. <laughs> um, and I, I really struggled throughout my teenage years with comparing my body to my peers and seeing that I, I may not to anyone else have looked that different, but I could pick out exactly where on my body I carried extra weight from other, um, other female athletes. And I, I was very fortunate to be in the athletic world. So I wasn't completely alone, but, you know, in high school, I wasn't particularly popular and it, I, I just I really struggled with, um, good discipline and decision-making. So I wasn't ever able to really get a handle on like, how to maintain my weight where I wanted it or what even that looked like, you know, what did I want? I, I wanted to be skinny. That's what I wanted. Cause that's what all the pretty popular girls looked like. And, and so it's the classic story. That's not anything different or new that anyone hasn't heard before. Um, headed into post high school. I didn't go straight to college, but my post high school years, um, I just kind of, I, I can look back and see that I like threw off any sense of accountability or um, structure. And I was very excited to be able to make my own decisions about what I felt like eating and doing um, because I had, I had lived in a home where my parents were very weight conscious and were attempting, I think, to guide me um, by making comments about what I would consume or how much weight I was carrying. And so being out from under that, I think I took it in the opposite direction and was like, I'm going to eat what I want when I want. Um, and spent a good amount of time not knowing who I was and packing on the pounds. I gained another 50 pounds um, after high school and 
is was the heaviest I've ever been at that time. Um, and so as I came out of that, um, I moved back in with my parents. I got engaged and I had a wedding to prepare for as motivation. So I started, I really felt like I wanted to be healthy, quote unquote, healthy again, meaning smaller. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, went to the gym daily. I was running, I was swimming, um, doing a ton of cardio. Marissa, I think I've heard your story and it's really not that far off from what you shared, like spending hours in the gym, but then gorging myself when I was down and finally got to the quote unquote wedding body that I really wanted to have. Um, I got married young, I was 20 and I was able to shed pretty much all of that weight by the time we got married. Um, and I, I think throughout my adulthood, I've continued to just fluctuate and, and learn each time, each time I've kind of fallen off the bandwagon for one reason or another, whether it be stress or depression or circumstantial changes. Um, I feel like each time I've been really intentional about looking back and being like, what led to this? you know, this change in circumstances. Um, sports has always been a big part of my life and has always kept me active. So I think that has kind of been part of my saving grace. I've been exposed to female athletes and bodies that look more like mine. And that really, I think, initially started this journey for me, that it I wasn't looking at the models and magazines anymore. When I looked at the ideal body type, I started looking more at peers, um, or at professional female athletes and seeing that, like, I didn't have to be, I didn't have to be like skinny. I didn't have to be a size six or any particular size. I didn't have to be able to like sit down without my thighs, taking up the whole seat to, to be the ideal body type for myself. And, um, some of those women that like really spoke out and were very public, um, that helped me start to kind of reframe, um, April Ross did an article. I want to say at this point, probably eight or more years ago. Um, and I think it was with, uh, the sports, what the heck is the name of that magazine? Yes. It was their naked issue. And it was right as she was kind of bursting onto the scene and she like her pictures were gorgeous, but they weren't, she's not skinny. And she talked a lot about how her body doesn't look like some of the other volleyball players even and why that is and how, how much she feels better when she's competing. Cause she competes in the hot sand for hours and hours for a full weekend. And she talked a lot about how like it felt better. It felt healthier for her to have extra weight on quote unquote, extra weight to not be skinny, to feel like she could make it through a weekend um, and not feel like she was going to die. Um, and that article I think really was important and formative for me, caused me to start to pay more attention, um, not just to what I looked like, but to how I felt. And that began a, a mental shift to a more holistic approach to health. That it's not just about, you know, how my clothes fit or how many inches my waist is, but also about how I feel um, and what kind of fuel I'm putting in my body. 
And um, one of my favorite current female athletes is Fallon Fano Moana, um, who is like hard to miss on the AVP circuit because she is enormous. Like she is like six, five. She's just like intense and like heavy set, but she is dominant. She's an athlete. She gets off the ground. She is powerful. Um, and it's been really cool to like be exposed to more and more female athletes at the highest level whose bodies don't look maybe exactly the same way as somebody else's or as our societal expectations um, would, would set in our mind that somebody should look when they're doing an activity like that. So all that to say, I still very much am in, in progress, still very much doing a lot of work. Um, I think, like I mentioned at the beginning, being pregnant has completely reframed everything. And I'm doing a lot of work right now, um, as you know, you, you well know, Marissa, um, you know, just coming to terms with like the changes that are happening and the limitations that I currently have. Um, but the, the shift in mindset from my focus being so much weight driven to being more like health, like overall health driven, um, is really kind of what has had my focus over the last eight years. And, um, what has caused me to question a lot of the things that I thought being fit or healthy meant. Um, and I, I mean, I've done the juicing thing where like three, two or three of my male, male ugh, two or three of my meals a day are liquid. I've done that. I've done, um, the, the portion control thing I've done weightlifting programs and circuit training and the whole like all in cardio 24 <laughs> seven. Um, and, and I've yo-yoed throughout those times. And I would say in retrospect, I feel like each time I've made the decision that like, I'm unhappy with my weight and I need to change it. The motivation for those changes has been purely based on weight and maybe not purely, maybe each time less and less based on weight, but that like looking in the mirror and going, oh, I hate the way that I look has played a big part in making a shift. And so this latest time when I reached out to you, I told you, I took a lot of time to think through and like be very intentional that when I made this change, it wasn't driven by self-hatred that like, I didn't look in the mirror and say, all right, I'm sick of my clothes not fitting right, or I hate the way that I look, it's time for a change. I was very intentional to have this be something that I knew I was ready for because I wasn't at a place where I hated myself and the number on the scale was you know, too high and that's what was driving the change, that it was about being healthy, that it was about in implementing discipline and accountability because I love myself, because I deserve to be healthy. Um, my body deserves to be well-fed and to be cared for. Um, and so we can, I'm sure we'll branch into that a little bit more, but that, that really has been kind of the latest 
specifically over the last probably two years, a year prior to working with you and then the last year working with you. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and thanks for taking us through all of that. Like, I know you're probably like, oh my God, I'm so long winded. Like, but we really do appreciate all, <laughs> you feel that way. <laughs> all the background is really helpful. Um, and you know, it's cool. You can cut out as much of that as is rambling as you're you keeping want to. It. Um, but it's, it's cool to just be able to see how much goes into, you know, that whole process. Um, because my perspective, and I don't even think maybe we've, I don't even think we've gone into that in as much depth as you just did. Um, but it just goes to show like, you know, my perspective was like, oh, like we've been working together for roughly a year, about a year before that, you probably started doing this kind of work and like, you know, but it's no, it's like a decade um, of literally like learning through basically what sounds like trial by fire. <laughs> I mean, getting closer and closer and closer and closer to what truly like and it's going to continue to improve but what truly like is a healthy perspective for you and like really defining that for yourself so you kind of answered a couple of my questions along the way that I started to think of and then I was like oh she's answering it and so um I guess you know when it comes to that motivation for change I think that's where a lot of people can can get it wrong is they they start with, I hate myself and I don't like the way that I look in the mirror and I need to make a change. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes that works, right? Like, and you can see changes from that, but I think the awareness that you developed around, like, this is, this is a problem for me because like I keep cycling and cycling and cycling. I find this with a lot of women who do this for decades, like multiple decades, which is even more heartbreaking. Um, but figuring out like that the motivation needs to be from a good place. Um, and if it's, even if it's not at the beginning, maybe you start and your motivations are from a terrible place, finding an avenue that allows you to make those shifts so that it ultimately does become a road that leads to self-compassion and self-love, um, even if the, the motivations at the beginning weren't pure. So I guess like how we can get into kind of methods here, I guess, how the heck did you get yourself to that place? Like trial by fire, but like, where did you develop that skill of like looking in hindsight and being like, this is what went wrong. This is what could have done better. This is what led to this. Not a lot of people have that skill, right? Like they don't fully process through like this happened. Here's why, here's how I can improve. It's more like, I just keep messing up and messing up and I'm a failure and I have no idea where to go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I would, describe myself as a lifelong learner that like that is a core value of mine that when I do something I, I like to do it well and I am a little bit of a perfectionist so I also like to get better at the things that I do um so for myself personally this journey has been very much a kind of you know trial by fire like you said like a, a, a lifelong learning process in figuring out what works really well for me and what has helped me to be successful but i i do want to touch on kind of what you said the, that person who maybe starts from the point of looking in the mirror and saying i hate myself i think that's very common and i i don't think that like anybody who's listening that maybe started there needs to like be like feel shamed by that because for a lot of us that is where we start and if we're being honest with ourselves like 
you're you can't lie to yourself and say, oh, I love me if you really don't like it takes hard work to get there. So it's okay that that's your jumping off point. It is okay. Um, and it's very normal. And, you know, unfortunately for a lot of us, that is born of observing kind of similar mentalities and behaviors in our, in our mothers. I know for me, that was a big component um, or in our peers or that, you know, for, I think for some of us, we just are inherently not born with good self-esteem um, and it takes work. So if that's where you're starting from, that doesn't mean that you're going to fail or, you know, that your pursuits are in vain. Um, it is okay to be working on your body while you're also working on your mind. Um, but what I do want to say is I noticed in myself that when my journey began with me looking in the mirror and saying, I hate the way that I look, I feel like my journey ended with me looking in the mirror and saying, okay, I've, fi- I've arrived now. Like I've gotten where I needed to be box checked. And now I can go back to doing what I was doing before. And that's not healthy. Um, that's not, you know, none of those changes then are permanent. I've just, I've, I've put in some work to change my body, but I haven't really learned anything then. And I would notice that like, when I was the weight I wanted to be, um, it was easier for me to slip back into bad habits or lack of discipline um, because I felt like I'd arrived. And I also feel like those little slips, when you are in a good place with your body, where a good place being it looks the way that you want it to look, or you're moving that direction and you're building trust with yourself, that little slip that little like, oh, I can take it easy this weekend, that can trick you into going into a negative space mentally because you associate those poor decisions with the version of yourself that you've decided you hate. And so it can spiral. If if we haven't done business with who we were before and, and the habits of that person, you know, if we, if we don't do business with that, we're kind of doomed to repeat it. And I've seen that in myself. Um, so not only looking back on experiences where I've gained and lost weight over the years, for me, it's been just as important to look back on the why and to understand in each of those scenarios, what caused me, what was my life situation that led me to being the weight that I was. Um, and, and, you know, I think we all would be able to articulate that if we did a little bit of, you know, sat down and thought about it. When I look back at the, the like really high weight that I had at my absolute highest point, um, I can recognize that that, that girl was young. She was feeling rebellious. She was exercising her free will. And she was testing the limits because that's what we do when we get out from our parents' house. And so I, I don't hate her. I value that I needed to experience life. I needed to see what it looked like when I like did not have any self-discipline because I've known that because I've experienced that I have so many more tools now that I didn't have before. And I very much am somebody who learns by experience. So you could have maybe told me, Hey, this isn't, this isn't wise. Like you're going to put on a ton of weight (laughs) and you're going to be unhappy. 
but I needed to experience it for myself. Um, and so can I hate 19 year old me who was 225 pounds? Um, I can't, I, she's valuable. She has value and she helped me be who I am today. I had to have that experience. And so I think when we demean former versions of ourselves, we fail to learn what that version of us has to teach us. Um, she is a part of who I am and, and it doesn't help me today to look back on her in disdain and say, you were so ugly. Like, that's horrible. <laughs> she wasn't ugly. She, she had some learning to do. Um, but she was beautiful in her own way. She was stretching her wings a little bit and she had, you know, she, she needed to learn how to, how to have some self-control. So I look back on that person. I look back on, there was a, a version of me, um, not that long ago. I want to say like seven years ago, I went and played some professional volleyball in Europe, super incredible experience. And I am so grateful that I got the chance to do it. Um, I ended up in a situation with a team that was incredibly toxic and put me in a terrible headspace. And I was living by myself after having been married for five years at that point. So I was alone for the first time in a long time and didn't have the positive support and found myself surrounded by delicious European chocolate every day um, and put on a bunch of weight while I was overseas. And again, I look back on that version of me and I, I like value what she did. Her body went through, we practice daily. I've never, I have not had high level daily volleyball practice ever. Um, and my body got me through that. So I look back on the me that was coping and hurting and like missing home. Um, and I value what she was able to do in, in spite of not being her best self. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Or even not being her best self in how you consider that today. But what if, you know, it was closer to the best you could do at that point, right? So was was right. that to survive? Yeah. No, that's that's a really <laughs> yeah. good perspective. Uh it even got me thinking about like where I am right now, something that I have tried to share about as much as I could, um but haven't been able to like haven't been able to get myself to share fully because I feel like I keep saying like I'm a mess with my fitness journey right now and like I I acknowledge the fact that like things are just not how they always were where I could train five times a week and I'm always on my diet and I track all my macros and this and that uh, but there's just so many moving parts to life right now so one thing that I have been struggling with is viewing myself in a negative light for what I'm going through right now. Uh, but you actually just like helped me reframe that a little bit. Like, you know, when I look back on this time in my life, I'm going to look back at it as these were growing pains and I was learning my limits and I was understanding what burnout feels like <laughs> and where things need to give um, and really stretching myself in other ways. So um, I, I do really appreciate that perspective. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think you've touched on a really cool nuance of when we do think back on like times where maybe our journey wasn't exactly where we wanted it to be or, or a time where we may even say the word like, I, yeah, I hated myself then I, I was fat then or whatever, whatever negative <laughs> term you use. If we take the time to acknowledge 
all that was going on at that point in time, we can find ourselves all the more in a healthier relationship with ourselves today because it changes how we look at things. It's not just about the number on the scale or how many workouts you got in or how strictly you're adhering to your food plan. It's about, there's so many nuances to where we are in life. I mean, you know, we, you and I talk about this all the time, but like, I have a lot going on. I have work going on and I've got, you know, a relationship that I'm maintaining and I've, you know, sometimes we have car troubles and sometimes, you know, maybe a friend hurts us badly or, um, or we get sick. Like there are so many parameters to where we're at that we can find more grace for ourselves and for our circumstances to be doing the best that we possibly can be in light of what's going on when we look back and, and have gratitude and grace for our former selves too. So I love that. I love that you shared that. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I'm sure I have a ton of questions, but Christina, like, I want you to get your words in as well. Yeah. So, um, I just, I have been nursing for the past 30 minutes. <laughs> so I've, I've been here, but, uh, I haven't been able to participate. So, uh, we were talking earlier, it's just mom life and having to adjust to new phases and circumstances. So, um, I, I mean, there's, there's so much that I wanted to say, but, um, it sounds like, I mean, it's very obvious that you have done a lot of inner work and you have really reflected on your journey. And one of the things that I absolutely love that you mentioned was, um, going through your journey with the mentality of like, oh, I hate myself or like, I'm doing this because I love myself. And I think that's extremely powerful. And it's something that we, we talk to our clients about because I think it can make a huge difference in your journey and just like how you view just every, every action of every part of your day. Like I'm eating a salad because I want to nourish my body versus like I'm punishing myself. Right. Um, right. So I think that that's really, really valuable. And especially it was, you know, extremely powerful, powerful to talk about your past version of yourself. And I think it's, it's very easy for a lot of people to say, yeah, I hate that version of me, but you look at it from a very growth oriented mindset of being like, no, that was just a version of me. And she taught me and got me to where I am right now. And so, um, almost even like, like appreciating or valuing that part of your life. Um, so I think that's, that's really, really powerful and a a huge takeaway for someone who may not really like where they are in their current health and fitness journey and know that it's, it's not the end of the road and that there's so much that they can learn from who they are now and where they want to be. Yeah. And I would, I would say that if you're struggling with a like tangible way to begin that journey, if this is all like brand new and you are coming from a place of like self-hatred, cause I, I know that that is just again, kind of very normal um, in our society, I would recommend acknowledging everything that your body does for you on a daily basis. That's a great jumping off point. If you struggle with the way that you look, let's not look at our the way our body looks. Let's talk about what it does for us. Because, you know, even if your job is a desk job, so maybe you're not, you know, lifting things or moving around or whatever, your mind requires a functional body. Your brain can't operate without your body. Um, so by putting fuel in your body, 
you allow it to function and which allows your brain to be fed. It gets the oxygen it needs from your body. It gets the blood it needs from your body. And if we, if we stop and were to write down everything that our body does for us on a daily basis, I think we would find ourselves at the very least in a place of body neutrality. And I think, you know, for people who struggle with body positivity or maybe don't even view it as necessarily something they want to work towards. Body neutrality is also a great place to head and to be um, because I, I don't think that hatred is a, a source of um, good decision-making or, or good choices um, or certainly long, long-term change. So um, just taking a minute to like acknowledge everything our bodies do for us on a daily basis and and Christine, I mean, you just touched on something like you just breastfed. That's incredible. That's a miracle. Like that's amazing. And your body is doing some really cool things right now that not everybody gets to experience, but to be able to just take a moment and acknowledge like my body is doing so much. It's sleeping. It's, you know, waking me up in the morning. It's giving me energy to get through my day. It's walking me around to, you know, to the car for me to job sites and, um, yeah. And letting me work out or play sports with my friends or hang out with, you know, with my kids or my husband to go on dates and do things together. Um, I think we will gain, like I said, at the very least, a neutral relationship with our body. But for me, it has been more a positive relationship with my body where I've been able to, to really like value everything that it does for me. Um, and that has kind of changed how I feel about myself. Yeah. I will say that pregnancy, while it was very difficult for me going through pregnancy, coming out on the other side and experiencing childbirth and having my son, I, I mean, I have just a completely different view of where I am right now. And like, if you had showed me what I look like now, maybe like, you know, a year ago and be like, oh, you're going to look like this. I'd be like, oh my God, ew. But now like I, I just have such a deeper appreciation. I have no rush to get back to where I was because like you said, like, I just, I'm like, wow, my body did that. Like I, I never in a million years would have thought that I would have had this appreciation. So again, I think, um, the other thing, and I've been, I've been talking with, um, some potential new clients and, and, uh, new clients recently who a lot of them are postpartum and, um, it's a lot of them have had, um, multiple children and they say the first time that they went through it, they were so focused on getting back to where they were pre-pregnancy that they basically missed that newborn stage, um, or they didn't appreciate it or have that, uh, the feeling that they do now with like their, their second child or their current pregnancy, Um, And I think that's really, really important. And so you had mentioned earlier um, kind of the the women that you were seeing in kind of like social media and magazines and how it's really difficult to see people that aren't like a representation of like what an average person might look like and how that can set these super unrealistic expectations. And I think that has a lot to do with, and I'm sorry, Marissa, (laughs) we're diving into pregnancy a little bit, but it's um, all valuable, but Yeah, but with that, like, bounce back culture, right? And, like, it's really, really difficult for people to think, like, well, I've had my baby, so I therefore shouldn't look pregnant anymore. Um, And so they miss that that stage because they're so hyper-focused on what they look like rather than, like you said, focusing on, like, all that your body is allowing you to do in this current phase. So, I mean, that's just – 
such a huge takeaway. And I actually, you've segued into another tangible step that like anybody can take, certainly anyone postpartum, um, but I would say this is kind of universal, um, curating our social media to expose us to different bodies is so important. And I, I spend a lot of time on this in, in my coaching, if I'm honest, um, you know, this, this has been something that has been a talking point for me to the teenagers I work with, because I feel like it's a chance to get ahead of things so that they're not into their adulthood, only ever seeing skinny people as beautiful. Um, and it's something that I've taken very intentional steps to put into practice in my own social media. Um, so I would be happy to share like a couple of the people that I follow, but I went out and sought out um, social media influencers whose body types looked different than the typical um, beautiful skinny influencers that are out there. There's nothing wrong with those people. And if you enjoy following them and they make you happy, follow them. But for me, I noticed that my timeline started to look like a magazine. Um, it started to look like all size zeros through fours. And um, I love fashion. I'm really, I get very excited to like look at clothes. So I would find myself following models or, um, you know, designers or whatever. And all of the body types I saw were skinny models. And so, as I mentioned, I started following more athletes as I grew and as I matured a little bit. But even then, I found myself gravitating towards athletes who looked a very specific way, who maybe had like great muscle tone and were also a size zero. <laughs> um, and so I really had to take very intentional steps to find and seek out and follow um, different body types that were closer to mine. And even I follow some that are much, much larger than mine on purpose, because it is very important to me that my timeline not look very one dimensional. Um, and particularly, I follow some body positive, uh, body positivity influencers who are much larger than your, your average tiny person. Um, because I want to be challenged. I think I talked to you about this a little bit, Marissa, but I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's easy to say we should be body positive when we look at somebody's body and we say, well, that's healthy for them. Right. So maybe they're large, but they're quote healthy. We can see them and we can determine this person clearly works out. Maybe they're carrying a little bit of extra weight, but they're enjoying life. When we look at a body and we don't see somebody that we can determine visually is quote healthy. Um, I think that is where that body positivity limit um, may come into play for some of us. So it's, that's still something that I'm doing work on and challenging myself on, but I've intentionally followed some of those bodies, some of those influencers who are even way on the other end of the spectrum so that I can challenge myself and be daily working on my reaction to what bodies look like that I'm like, I, if I catch myself scroll past a picture and have like a gut reaction, like, Ooh, that's not pretty or whatever. I will, I'll stop. And I'll say, why do you say that? <laughs> what's, what's going on? Like, where does that come from? So anyway, that's all way off the deep end, but at the very least, I would highly recommend seeking out some like different body types and curating your social media feed 
to not just look very one dimensional um, as a just a simple practical step to expose yourself to normal looking bodies too. Yeah. And um, I mean, I want to add one more thing as well, but like those two tangible steps, I think will get a lot of people in a really, really great direction. But something that I noticed that you do, Jess, is you're very particular about the language that you use. Um, You mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, when you were um, explaining your journey, you said, you know, I wanted to be healthy for my wedding, use air quotes, and you said that meant smaller (laughs) and uh, at the time, right? And then just the way that you speak about like how someone speaks about themselves, um, going from a place of negativity, hatred to neutrality. This is something that like, I know Christina and I talk all the time about, but like the language that you use to talk about yourself and the language that you use to define certain things, not even like, you don't even necessarily have to start by changing it because these words are loaded and they mean something to you. Um, but exploring that, because a lot of times we use verbiage, we use language, and we we just kind of throw it around and we don't really understand what it means to us. But for example, you said uh, prepping for your, for your wedding, um, you wanted to be healthy for your wedding. At that time, that meant to you smaller. It probably meant a lot of other things to you, different than the person you were, uh, more disciplined, more structured, um, you know, someone with higher levels of self-efficacy or self-confidence, most likely, right? Um, and so really challenging you guys listening to think about when you say the word healthy, when you say the word beautiful, when you say the word um, in shape, what do, what do these things actually mean to you? Um, and kind of maybe break that down, maybe journal about it, but like actually thinking about the language that you're using and then being intentional with it in the long run. Yeah, I love that. That's that's a great exercise to, to do. And I would say, you know, next step even beyond that is like a- associating those words with what our motivations are. Cause you, I loved the two words you touched on right off the top, healthy and beautiful. We all want to feel that way. We all want to be able to say like, I am healthy. I am beautiful. Um, and so identifying what that means to us is really essential. And what popped into my mind is like, in the past, my motivation for like beating myself up in the gym or depriving myself of certain foods has been because I wanted to be those things and I didn't think I was. Um, and so changing what those words mean and or, or challenging what they mean to us, just taking the minute to think about it. Um, I would say at this point in my life, the word healthy is everything to me because I no longer think about healthy as being a specific weight on the scale, but I think about healthy as being a like holistic approach to my level of health and fitness, which is ultimately what my current motivation is to be working with you, Marissa. So like, again, not because I'm needing to get down to this certain weight or because I look in the mirror and I hate myself and I wish I looked the way that I looked when I was 25, because that's not going to happen. Um, I want to be healthy and what that meant to me. And as I really like searched in my, myself to figure out what my motivations were, I wanted to, I wanted to reapproach not just nutrition, not just fitness, but also my relationship with those things and my mental place. And some of the most valuable work you and I have done together, I feel like for me has been um, self-care and like really putting an emphasis back on taking time to like manage my stress. Cause I don't, I, 
just don't make great choices when I'm stressed out. I don't prioritize myself the way that I ought to. Um, and I, I don't give my body what it needs when I'm, when I'm forgetting to take care of myself. So, um, yeah, I, that's a, a really a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's another really tangible, uh, a good tangible takeaway too, is when it comes to the social media, um, you made a really good point too, is like, you kind of got to a point where you're scrolling and you're, you're like, like, what am I, like, what am I really looking at? Like, what is my feed consist of and how does it make me feel? Um, so we've encouraged our, you know, our listeners too to go through and do like a social media purge. And like, if your social media is not serving you or making you feel better or in, even in, in your perspective or in your situation, wanting to like challenge yourself sometimes too, I think that's really important because we can get into that, like, you know, we're following all these celebrities and like, you know, it's not really making us feel good when we're spending um, that time on social media. But um, I mean, I, I feel like there's so many, so many different directions I want to take this. Um, but Marissa, I know that you guys have a, a lot to talk about as well. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I was actually thinking of taking this in, in the direction where you might have um, a lot more to relate on, Christina. Actually, I know you have a lot more to relate on. Um, and it's something that you said, Jess, about how when you were going through your journey of you gained a bunch of weight in college and then you lost it and you gained it back and you've yo-yoed, you've put your body through the ringer, something that we have talked about in depth is like triggers almost of like you hit a certain weight, you hit a certain threshold. And therefore I associate that with who I was at that given time. So when I go over this much weight, when I'm this heavy, therefore I choose to partake in X, Y, and Z that is not healthy for me mentally or physically. And so we've talked about this in depth because you're pregnant and with pregnancy. If you don't know, if you're listening to this, you gain weight. <laughs> and so um, I know that's something that you're familiar with and have talked about at length, Christina, too. But, you know, we've recently just been discussing like what that kind of weight trigger that threshold is for you, Jess. And if you're comfortable sharing, I would love for you to share kind of some of the dialogue we've had behind that and how we've kind of tried to disassociate, you know, yourself from when you were that weight in the past with like the journey you're on now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as part of my kind of tackling this journey in a proactive way, I really allowed myself a lot of grace. Um, I would say the pandemic is probably where that started. If I'm totally honest, that, I was stuck in my house 24 seven and we didn't, you know, didn't have access to the gym or, um, had no need to look a certain way most of the time. So I just really gave myself a lot of grace to eat what I wanted to eat and enjoy some alcohol and, um, not feel pressure to work out. And I, it was a lovely place to be for a little while, but, um, as part of that, as a, a mechanism for me to make sure I didn't go over the top and like completely lose track, um, I, I have a weight established in my mind. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly tall, I'm a very large um, athlete. And so for me, I tend to sit right around like the 170, 180 range when I'm, when I'm more active and healthy. 
And so I have in my mind this threshold at 200. I've been over that threshold twice in my life. I was miserable both times, both, both mentally and physically miserable. And so in my mind, that is the, I will never be over 200 pounds again thing. Like I've, I've committed to myself that like, that's not going to happen. So over the pandemic, as my weight fluctuated in that direction, as I got a little closer, that for me was like, I felt like a healthy wet red flag to be like, all right, like that was fun. Let's, let's reel it in a little bit. Let's have a little bit more discipline because we're not going to break that commitment we've made to ourselves. And I didn't, um, I, I'm really pleased with how much I was able to like have grace for myself over the pandemic, how much inner work that I did during that time, how much mental and emotional work I did during that time that brought me to the place of being ready to do more physical work. Um, thrilled with the physical progress that we were able to make from, I think we started working together in like April or May last yeah. year. Yeah. From then until when I got pregnant. Um, and so as I have been pregnant and as the weight has slowly started to tick in that direction, um, I have been struggling with this kind of looming threshold. I'm not there yet, but it's there and it's very possible. And I would say at this point, probably likely that I will break that threshold during this pregnancy. And so you've really challenged me, Marissa, and it lines right up with all the other work that I've been doing. So I'm fully on board with it to reframe. Why is that threshold so important? Why has it been so important? Cause it definitely served a purpose for me. Um, but what is it about that number that is, is such a problem for me right now? Because if I take a step back and I do all of the practical things that we've been talking about, if I assess my current situation, if I view myself and the tools I've put into place with grace and with love, the truth is that threshold doesn't serve me right now. It's not applicable to my current situation. And if it makes me feel bad about myself, it's something that I probably need to do some business with. So it's, I'm not saying that I've got it figured out at this point, um, but it certainly is something that I've been thinking a lot about. And, and when it comes up, when I step on the scale and I go, oh shoot, I'm only, and I'll do the math in my head. I'm only this far away from, from that number. I will pause if I catch myself doing that and be like, you are pregnant. Your body is doing this incredible thing. The boy inside of you still needs to gain X number of pounds, but he still needs to get that much bigger. So you are going to get that much bigger. And that is a good thing. Like just trying to, yeah, like you said, reframe, like re challenge that and think about it and um, reframe it in the context of where I'm at right now, because my journey is different today. And it probably will be different postpartum and it'll be different in my forties than it is today. And then, then again, in my fifties. And I think this is probably an exercise that will be worth having done. If for no other reason, than it makes me reframe throughout the course of my life based on where I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's really big. And, and I think it's, um, you know, I think you're allowing, you're being very vulnerable right now. And you're saying like, yes, I have this trigger. I have this number and I may not be a hundred percent over it. Um, and being, you know, very honest about that. So I think that's, again, it just shows 
um, where you are in your journey and kind of acknowledging like, you know, I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm doing the work. So I think that that's really important. Um, and you know, pregnancy, especially if this is something that you've experienced for the first time, like it's, how do you know how you're going to like navigate through this, this phase? Like, how do you know how you're going to react? Like you don't. So every day is like a new day and you have new symptoms and you have like, you step on the scale and you're like, wow, that's a new number. (laughs) So every, every day is a brand new day. Um, so I think that that's really important in thinking about reframing and it's a conversation that I've had to have with myself. Um, because, uh, you know, as you know, Marissa and I are both pre and postpartum, um, you know, specialists and or pre and postnatal. And, um, you know, we have this arbitrary number of like, oh, if you're this BMI, therefore you should gain between 25 and 35 pounds. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll probably gain like 25 pounds. And I doubled that I gained 50. Um, and it was very, very, very difficult in the beginning for me to get closer and closer to that threshold. And, and having so much anxiety around it and being a fitness professional and be like, wow, I'm, I'm not, I guess, a fitness professional. Um, if I go over this number and to hit 50 was like, wow, like that's crazy. But after I kind of went over that threshold, I was kind of just like, whatever, (laughs) like I no longer like really cared about it as much because I, I had like went past that number. Um, so I was like, well, I can't lose. So therefore like this range is, is, you know, out of the question, but, um, I started to accept it more and just kind of be like, well, you know, I'm being healthy. I'm staying active. Like, am I okay with those choices in my behaviors? Yes. Then therefore, like, why do I have to put myself in a box with that number? Like, you know, all my doctors, all my appointments are going well, baby's healthy. Um, and I kind of just reframed and was like, I'm just letting my body do what it needs to do to grow this baby boy. And that's all I'm going to worry about if I'm okay with my choices and my behaviors. So um, kind of like what you're saying about when you were going through the, the pandemic and you were getting closer to that number, it did serve you right in that situation because you're like, okay, I need to reel it back in. I'm not probably being my healthiest. I'm not showing as much discipline as I should. Let me reel it back. Whereas if you were right now, you're getting close to that threshold and be like, well, am I okay with what I'm doing? Am I okay with my behaviors? And if so, then yeah, this, this arbitrary number probably doesn't serve me in this specific situation. So again, I think that that's really, really important. And it shows the, the ability of you to kind of like zoom out and kind of look bigger picture. Yeah. I love it. I, I knew you would like obviously relate, Christina, because I know you had that expectation for yourself with like 25, 35 pounds or whatever it was. Um, And hopefully, Jess, it's like maybe reassuring in a way that like she went past it and then she was like, OK, I'm good now because it was kind of like you you broke through the unknown of what happens when I break this threshold. Right. And then it's like, right. OK, like I'm still behaving the way that I that serves me. And, and then hopefully that, that association can be at least, you know, partially broken or, you know, at least challenged for that time being. Yeah. Yeah. I think as I've thought about, I think you asked me to, to do some homework and think about like what it is about being on the other side of that number. That's scary. Or like, what do I associate with that? And as I've thought about it, I feel like I've been very disappointed with myself when I've gotten over that number, anything up to that point, I could attribute to like stress or um, depression or whatever. When I've been over that number, 
there is a part of me that's like, yep, that was just like maybe some of those components and, and also a complete lack of self-discipline. And I, I, you know, look back at when I have been over that weight threshold um, and know that during those times I was disappointed in my decision-making. And so I, I'm, Christina, I really appreciate your experience and you sharing that because I think if I do go over that number, it's likely that I will. Um, I, I cannot say that I'm disappointed with anything that I've done throughout this pregnancy. I am really proud of what I've been able to do, um, that I've even been able to keep my weight where it is for, you know, the, the incremental growth in, that we've seen so far, I feel like is a result of good decision-making. And so if we do crest that number and we go on the other side of that, that threshold, um, I'm encouraged to hear you say that that was kind of a relief for you. And I, I hope that I can find the same just sense of relief because I am really pleased with all of my decision-making to this point. And I don't think I'll be disappointed in me yeah. to get there. So and I think that's really big. And, and another thing that helped me was reaching out to my community and even connecting with people that I didn't even, didn't even know, um, but would offer me their experiences and their stories. And so many women, you know, they related to the weight gain throughout pregnancy. And I had so many women who have had multiple pregnancies that said like, one of them I thought was just so funny because they were like, I have had three pregnancies and all three of them were completely different. The first pregnancy I worked out like crazy. I did CrossFit like five times a week. I was so regimented. I counted my macros and I gained 44 pounds. And they're like, my second pregnancy did absolutely nothing. <laughs> they're like, I, I think she was um, on bed rest. She couldn't do anything. Um, she didn't care about her nutrition. Gained 44 pounds. Her third one, she did a little bit of both. <laughs> she tried to find that happy medium. Gained 44 pounds. And so... I think like that was just kind of like, wow, that's so eye opening. Cause and again, not that everyone's experience is the exact same, but she had completely different behaviors, but same outcome. <laughs> and it's just kind of like, you know, your body's going to do what it needs to do to, to grow a healthy child. And so once I had heard all these different stories, it, it helped me kind of accept the weight gain. Um, and kind of just also the understanding of like, I can't go backwards. <laughs> like I can't lose weight. So it's just, you know, making the best of everything. But um, I think really reaching out to um, your community and not feeling like you have to go through it by yourself. Um, that is really, really important. And, and, you know, for someone who may not be pregnant, um, you know, you can take this into your situation too. If you're dieting, like reach out to other people who have had struggles with body image or with their dieting or anything like that. And, and feeling more supported is really important than feeling like you're having to go through something completely by yourself. So I think that's where, you know, having a coach is, is huge. Um, because it, like you said, they can challenge you. They can see where your mindset is and, and give you homework and all of those things to work on. So, I, you know, I think that that's really, really, um, uh, just a big, big part of your journey. Yeah. Jess, I really commend you as well for continuing with coaching through finding out that you're pregnant, going through your pregnancy, because 
Um, I've had multiple experiences where someone will sign up and they'll be like, I'm in this, let's do this. And then they get pregnant and they're like, all right, see you in nine months. And they're like, peace out. But like (laughs) thinking about and hearing about all the work that we've been able to do in this time, that's so valuable. And like what Christina just said, um, I just want to commend you for that because like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if you were like, yeah, when I got pregnant, I was probably thinking of like pausing my services. Right. And like, Taking a oh, hiatus. That did not oh. <laughs> a lot of people do. I will say a lot of people think that way. Uh, but I commend yeah. you for like continuing to lean on that support through something like as life changing as this, because I think a lot of people miss that. Yeah, thank you. I, I mean, yeah, like I said, it didn't even occur to me to not continue to work with you through the pregnancy because that the weight loss or level of fitness or whatever, wasn't my motivation to reach out to you in the first place. So knowing that I was about to go through a period of substantial weight gain and and significant changes in my body that then would be followed by some like pressure to return to normal to me. I mean, that lined right up with exactly why I wanted to be working with you in the first place. Um, to continue to challenge myself and do the hard work to like be in a better, healthier place with myself, both body and mind. So I'm, I'm ecstatic and relieved to not have to navigate the challenges of pregnancy and then the postpartum journey alone to, to be able to do that with you um, has just like, it's, it's been a total relief to not be alone in that. That's amazing. I love that. Um, so I don't have any more questions for you. Um, at this point, Christina, is there anything else that you wanted to explore? Um, well, I just, uh, a couple different things. So, uh, the first thing I think, uh, you know, a lot of people think, you know, oh, I'm going to sign up for coaching cause I want weight loss. Um, you know, that's, you know, I want to lose fat or whatever it might be, but coaching can be so much more than that. Like, you know, especially, uh, when you have someone who is, gone through a a lot of deeper uh, work and can ask you the hard questions and is there to challenge you and work on not just your physical self, but also your, your mental. So um, for anyone who maybe is thinking about coaching and you're like, well, I only have like five pounds to lose, or I don't really want to make a super huge transformation. There's so much more that you can work on. Um, But I wanted to, to take it into a direction because I used to be a school counselor um, and I worked with uh, elementary and high school. um, And I I love that you're coaching volleyball. And I think it's, it's so important um, for kids when they feel like they have just, just one adult in the school setting um, or maybe not even just a school, but in like, uh, you know, a sports setting or someone that they feel like cares about them, that can just make a huge difference in their life trajectory and, and how they view things. And, um, the fact that you are so conscious of conscious of how you talk to them and the values that you want to instill, um, is, is huge. Um, and like you mentioned before, if you had had someone like that along your journey, the difference it could have made. So, um, I want to commend you on, on that. Um, because I think it's, it's just so valuable for the, the girls that you're coaching. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. Yeah. And you, you know, I, hopefully it's sinking in for some of them. I know, you know, for some, sometimes we have those sessions and it's not volleyball specific and maybe we get tuned out, but 
um, if we can even start to build the infrastructure to view ourselves just ever so slightly differently, then I feel like it served its purpose. So um, yeah, hopefully we're getting through. <laughs> yeah. So for, for those of us maybe who do work in a school setting or do work with um, younger kids or maybe even parents um, who have older older children, um, what would be maybe your one piece of advice or um, maybe a way that you feel like you can advocate for those kids or maybe help them along their, their own health and fitness journey? So being on the precipice of being a parent, um, but not having experienced it, I would never tell a parent what they should or shouldn't do. Um, Cause I'm sure that will be its own challenging journey for, for me. Um, but I would say, I think the first I, th I think you guys have maybe have talked about this too. Um, I think the first thing that I would just question how somebody approaches, how an adult approaches um, things around kids would be food morality. Um, that like, if you are assigning foods to a good category or a bad category, kids pick up on stuff like that really quickly. Um, I know I did. Um, and and the way that children's brains work typically is very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Polarized. Um, they, they really embrace like categories and labels and things being either good or bad. Nuance and context and all of that can be lost, especially on smaller children. So um, being conscious of the way that we talk about food and what like value we assign to food around kids and teenagers, I think can just be one tiny little thing that we reassess um, to, to help the next generation not have some of these um, issues as they go into adulthood or some of these struggles. So um, instead of saying like, oh no, you can't have candy, like sugar's bad for you. Um, maybe taking a step back and saying like, one piece of candy is not going to hurt anything. Um, whereas if all we ever ate was celery, we would not survive. So like celery isn't inherently good and candy is not inherently bad. Um, and you know, for, for younger kids, we can just avoid using those types of words or you can talk about the importance of moderation or you can, you know, talk about like even what, categories those foods fall under. Are they carbs? Are they proteins? Um, are they fats? And what purpose does that serve in our diet? Like you can get into that if you want to. And if the kid's interested, um, I would say for particularly for athletes, my approach has been more from a fuel perspective. Like what do different types of food do for us when we're trying to compete? And so I talk a lot with them about um, the importance of hydration, obviously, but like when I'm preparing to compete, what type of food do I want to put in my body before a match? What type of food do I want to put in my body during a match? If I need to, like, what should I have sitting in my bag and what type of food do I want to put into my body after a match to help it recover from what I've just asked it to do. And just, I mean, not talking about like candy as being bad or pizza as being bad, those things serve a purpose. And if that's all you have access to, if that's the easiest, fastest way to fuel your body, 
because maybe your parents both work full time and you are responsible for your own food and the you forgot to pack something. And so what you have access to is the concession stand. Being able to walk up and be equipped with the knowledge of I've got $2.00. What can I buy to put in my body right now? What should, which of these items is the best thing to put in me right now? Um, that makes somebody feel empowered and doesn't make them feel like their decision is a reflection on their own goodness or badness. Um, and so I think kind of getting away from the morality around food is just one small step. And that starts, that starts with the parents and having coached people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s, that language really permeates through all generations at this point. Um, and even, you know, people that I, I coach who are parents, new parents, parents of people in college, parents of people in, in their youth, like they notice a shift in how their kids respond. Um, they notice that as their beliefs change, it starts to affect others. And one of my favorite emails that I've ever gotten was a mom of two girls that are like five and seven or something like that. And they were like chanting at the dinner table about how their like chicken nuggets, like dino nuggets were their protein and like how their like um, smiley potato fries were their carbs. <laughs> and they were like, look, mom, I have my protein and my carbs and like just building those associations. So, um, you know, if I can add to that, I think really when it comes to being careful of your language, a lot of times people aren't even aware of it. So if you don't know where to start and you want to build that relationship for your kids, um, I know a lot of mom's motivations for their own fitness journey is for that next generation. So it really does start with you. It really does start with how do you view food, morality, yourself. And you'll say those things, realizing it or not out loud, and the kids will pick up on it. And so really like doing that work with yourself, if you're listening to this, because I assume we don't have 10 year olds listening to this podcast. Um, <laughs> and it's probably the moms and the dads. So um, just start paying attention to like what you say to yourself. Yeah, that's so spot on. I, I feel like um, in in doing a lot of self-reflection, I think much of like what I've had to do business with has been things that I observed and maybe not necessarily things that were done or said to me. My parents are wonderful and did an incredible job with the three of us and um, are still my good friends to this day. Um, but I observed, you know, decades of like my, my mom struggling with her relationship with food and with her body and feel like I kind of naturally absorbed that just by being around her. Um, and she is a beautiful, strong, incredible athlete. She still plays volleyball to this day. She is inspiring and I adore her. Um, we're good friends, but um, recognizing and acknowledging that component in my life certainly for me has made me want to do business with a lot of this stuff before I have kids um, so that I can hopefully model to them self-love and, um, you know, the, the understanding and, and good relationship with food and with my body so that they don't have those hurdles. I'm sure they will have other hurdles in life having me as a parent, <laughs> but that's, that's one that I don't want them to have. Well, that, yeah, that's a really, really good takeaway. Um, and I love your perspective on it. Um, so the last question that we have that we ask all of our guests 
um, is just the number one tip that you could give someone, someone listening to the podcast, uh, to live a healthy and sustainable lifestyle. Um, what do you feel like that number one tip would be? I would say gratefulness, um, specifically to yourself. And that I feel like kind of hopefully can be the cap on this episode. Um, if you take away nothing else, um, that like all the good decisions that we make or the bad decisions that we make, the circumstances we find ourselves in, the, the number on the scale, the size on the tape measure, all of those things um, are a result of the perspective we have on who we are. And the only way to make meaningful, positive change in that perspective and that relationship with ourselves is to have gratitude for who we are, our journey thus far, um, and the work that our body does for us. So if you're not ready to say, I love you in the mirror, um, I challenge my kids to do that all the time. So I recommend it. It's awkward and weird and horrible, (laughs) but Um, it's a great exercise. So if you're to that point, go ahead and do it. Go look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself, I love you. It's hard, (laughs) but if you're not there yet, um, just having a moment of self-reflection and gratitude and like picking something specific. So like today I could say, I am grateful to my body for rebounding from a difficult day yesterday and, and feeling good and healthy today. Um, I, I, felt nauseous all day yesterday. And I was super worried that like I was entering into a new phase in my third trimester that like this might be the new normal. Um, and I am feeling great today. So, you know, if I had to pick one thing, like I'm, I am grateful to my body for normalizing again today. Um, and so that's an, a simple exercise that can take 30 seconds that just hopefully can start the journey for somebody towards having a a better relationship or advance that journey towards having a better relationship with themselves. I love that. I love that. And I love the examples that you give and just, you know, the way that you articulate yourself about these things was the reason that I was like, "Mm, people need to hear this. Um, (laughs) Before we wrap up, uh, because I do agree that's like a perfect cap on the episode and the takeaways. Where can people find you? Where would you like people to contact you if they have thoughts and responses and questions about your thoughts in this episode? Well, um, that's a great question. My man, my presence on social media is so scarce these days. So, um, honestly, you're probably not going to find a whole lot in the way of like meaningful interaction in those places. Um, but my Instagram is probably the best place. Um, if you wanted to reach out that I am like publicly accessible. Um, so my handle is J traumatozy one and you are free to message me there yeah we'll put it in the show notes just in case because i think that this honestly i think this episode is going to be really impactful to a lot of people jess and i also want to encourage you to leverage our audience if you need more support moving into these next phases your third trimester delivery uh, postpartum you know you have us obviously but you know you have this whole platform now that has heard your message and i'm very certain supports you in everything you're, you're working towards thanks marissa yeah so um i mean this like marissa was saying this was a, a really great episode and i really appreciate your perspective your your history and your message and sharing that with us and um 
I'm sure that there are going to be a lot of takeaways from a lot of different people that, uh, that they can resonate, but um, thank you for coming on and, and talking to us and sharing your message. And guys, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. And if you haven't already, you can make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find both of us on Instagram. You can find me at Christy Lynn Fit. Marissa is at Marissa Roy Fitness. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we hope to see you back next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast, and we hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something from it. Please remember that Christina and I are not medical professionals, so if you're going to make any changes to your exercise or nutrition routines, please consult with your doctor or medical team first. Finally, we would love you even more than we already do if you took the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews are how this podcast moves up the ranks and becomes accessible to even more people. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next Tuesday here at the Barbell Lifestyle Podcast.